as I always say, when the kids leave, look, there's no one in the front seat. When the kids leave, everything, it's like all the life gets sucked out of us, doesn't it? So come on, take a breath, find our kid in us again. Well, it's a bit tricky here. Let's find my space. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sharon, and I have the, the great privilege of being part of Refresh, our worship community here that meets at North Pine Christian College. And uh, for those of you who weren't here last year, uh, last year, last week, last week, Happy New Year. Welcome back. It's great to have you here today. Our little community is growing, as it will, uh, in January, and um, yeah, it's just awesome to have you here. Um, this morning... Uh, I would like you to just say good day to the person beside you. And I want you to have a think about, before you do that, just have a quick think about your family, yeah? Think about um, somebody in your family that you think um, is the coolest person in your family and tell them who they... It could be extended family, could be your grandpa, your great uncle, but say good day, turn around, tell the person how wonderful they look today. Um, say hi, and then tell them about someone in your family you think is pretty cool. So don't be scared. All right, I hope you got to meet somebody and say hello. It can be a little daunting, but it is nice to chat. Yeah, you don't want to just listen all day, hey. Um, well, at Refresh this month, we're doing a theme called Just Do It. And um, we're going to continue on that theme. We're looking at uh, different elements of trust, trusting God. And that might have been brought out today as we sang some of those songs, hopefully um, the words, you know, it's easy to sing a song, let the words just sort of roll on by, but uh, some strong, powerful lyrics in those songs about trusting God and about who God is. And that's why we can trust God, because of who He is. And today we're going to um, take another journey in that. But uh, before we do, you know, I wonder, um, as I said, some of you weren't here last week, and I just want to set a little bit of a scene for refresh for this year that this year there are four things that we would really like to, as a community, work towards. And so these things are going to pop up, and as I mentioned, in February we're going to spend a little time exploring each of them a little more deeply. But as a community, we are seeking this year to work towards these four things. Let me see if my clicker's working. Whoop. It is there, but it's not there. There we go. I don't know if that's 
So as a community, we're looking forward to these things, to love through acts of kindness, to connect through small groups, to inspire through community worship, which is what today is about, and to empower, as I said last week, through, through empower through uh, equipping our young leaders. But as I said, we're all young and there's all ways that we can grow. But specifically, we want to give on, we want to pass on the baton to our younger generations so that they too can take up, take up the lead because they have so much to offer. So we're going to work towards those things and we invite you to come along on that journey. If today's your first day here, we hope that you can go away and, 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 and think about that and go, you know what, I'd love to be a part of that picture and we invite you to be a part of it. And if you were here last week or this is your regular family community, we just encourage you to pray about this this week and this month and as we look forward this year into what God is going to do in and through us here at Refresh. So I wondered if you were to think about how you would define trust, what words come to mind? Don't need to shout them out, but just pause for a minute. What words come to mind if you were to define the word trust? When I was thinking about this, two words came to mind. One was confidence. And one was peace. Yours might be quite different. But I think about trust in my life, and I think it's very much like a tightrope. And if I was to use the edge of this, uh, this stage as my tightrope, I, in my personal experience when it comes to trust, it seems to me that often on that tightrope of trust, when things are going well, there's a confidence. The legs are strong, the arms are balanced and comfortable and a little bit relaxed. The eyes, they might even be enjoying the view a little bit. But it's not that long sometimes, it seems, where that tightrope gets a little shaky. And that tightrope, as it gets shaky, I find... My legs, they start to do a quiver. My arms, they start to be a little bit more precise, but they too get the shakes. But my eyes get, try to get straight back on the path. And then I find there are times where I fall off that tightrope. And I'm hanging on by my fingertips. And my legs are dangling. And my eyes are looking up. It's not easy as a human to trust. As much as I uh, might, and I hope it's God encouraging you today and I to trust him, it's not easy. Even this week, I woke up a few times early in the middle of the night. My heart was racing and I'm thinking about things. And I, I know that I can trust God with those things. I know I can. But our humanness jumps in so many times. And so I think it's so important that we constantly and consistently reflect on this. Because if we steer away from thinking about trust, then it is easy not to trust. So we must keep coming back. And what I thought about when it comes to that is these wretched things. Now... I've had these for a long time. They don't look quite as glossy as those red ones. 
a bit heavier though, only by one. Um, but they're not used anywhere near as much as they should be. Now, I don't know about you if you made any New Year's resolutions, but I did this week. I wrote some goals for 2019. And unfortunately, a very regular one of mine is get fit. I don't know if anyone else has that or some of you just are that, so you don't need to worry, or others have given up on that, and so you just skip it every year. But um, I truly am quite unfit at the moment, and I really uh, feel that it's time to turn some things around or middle age will take over. So um, we found these this morning. They were a bit dusty. But when it comes to trust, it makes me think of this. So when you do exercise... If I want my muscles to grow back because they're withering away, as I said, with middle age, I need to actually start to use those muscles because the way it works, as most of you know, as I start lifting those, if I did it here now, I'd be so embarrassed, so I just can't do it. I could get Damien up, he could just go like this, but um, I won't do that. Um, But as you know, as you move weights, the muscles tear inside a little bit. Tiny little tears happen. And as those tiny little tears happen, um, sometimes if you've done it too much, a few days later, you can hardly move. But those tears heal, and as they heal, there's a little bit of growth. And you do it again, and they tear again, and they heal a bit more, and there's a bit more growth. And that's like trust. Trust is putting it out there and exercising it and using it. And you know what? Sometimes there's going to be a bit of tear. Sometimes there's going to be a bit of a, a, a bit of challenge. Sometimes that tightrope is not going to be as great. That tightrope walk is not going to be as great as we would like it to be. But then there's healing and there's growth and we can go it again. So if we don't exercise our trust, then our trust doesn't grow. And so um, today's story that we're going to have a look at takes us into a a very interesting story that our team selected as part of our series this month. And uh, there's a few questions you might walk away with from this story. As I did some reading, and even scholars still have some questions on this story, but the essence of the story is, again, another story of trust. And I hope it can speak into your life. Last week, we looked at a story of a guy named Ananias, and we looked at his story and discovered that God wants us to trust him and follow his leading in our lives, even when it doesn't make sense. This guy was asked to do something that doesn't make, didn't make sense. And the reason that we can do that is because we believe and we have seen and we can testify that God is a trustworthy God. So here we have this guy, Abraham is named. Well, he actually had another name, Abram, and it it was changed to Abraham. So we're going back. When it comes to the Bible, which is the story of God and his love, we're going right back to the very start, to the very first piece of writing, which is called Genesis. And we find the account of this guy, Abraham. Now, he was a follower of God. He was a rich man in monetary terms. And God put a call on his life a number of times. The first one was, hey, Abraham, 
pack up all your family, pack up all your animals, pack up all your house, and I want you to go and leave Brisbane, and I want you to head, didn't tell him where, to a place that I will show you. That's the first call kind of thing that we hear on Abraham's life. Abraham, head out, pack up, off you go. Now, I don't know how you'd feel about that if in a couple of weeks that's what you felt, that God was saying, pack up, head out. But Abraham didn't. And there were a number of other accounts of God speaking into this guy's life. Another significant one was, hey, Abraham, I am actually going to make you the father of many nations. I'm actually going to make you the father of many nations. Now, there was a big problem with that. He had no children. And so this was a promise laid on his life, which made no sense. But as the story transpires, Abraham did take a little deviation, tried to fix the problem himself, which went a bit awry. And he did have a son to not his wife, which caused grief. So don't do that. And he waited a little bit more. And eventually, God fulfilled the promise. There's a lot to the story of this guy. But I'm just giving you a little bit of context. Eventually, he had this son and named him Isaac. And this young man grew up. And then we come to the story that we're going to explore today. So as we have a look at this story and as we, as we just go through what the, the Word of God, what the Bible actually says, I want you to think, what in this story of Abraham is God trying to say to, to me? What is God wanting to say to me and to you today? You know, I've said this before here at Refresh. This little moment in time that we have together is such a special space. You have committed this little bit of time in your week to sit, to be, and to let God just reach into your heart, reach into your mind. So lean in and, and just let him speak because he has something for you today. So we're going to take up this story, we're going to follow it, and we're going to read it as it is straight from the Bible, and we're going to talk about it as we go along. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. There's a lot in that, isn't there? Here we have God testing Abraham's faith or trust. Putting it to the test. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I don't know if I'd want this test. This is a pretty extreme test. Abraham, this is actually the eighth encounter where God has spoken directly to Abraham. So we, we haven't covered many of them, but I did mention a couple. 
So Abraham has some awareness of God's voice, God speaking. I love his response. Here I am. Here I am. So when God speaks into your life um, and my life, are we open? Are we quiet? Are we aware of that voice? Or are we just busy and noisy and cluttered and full? Abraham says, here I am. And God says, take three times, he refers to something that is very clear. Take your son, your only son whom you love. Now, as I said, he actually had another son. And, and going back, if I can put it this way, earlier on, when, um, when God gave him a directive, he actually said to Abraham, leave your family. When he said, um, he had to move on. Now, that was his extended family, and he did take a little bit of that family with him. But it's interesting over time, um, when you have a look at this story, how different elements of Abraham's family did actually depart from him, and they were separated. And that first son, whose name was Ishmael, just in the story, just before you come to this story, um, not, not so far before, he actually, this son, was actually had to leave. And so, again, another family member had left. And so here we have your son, your only son. It's like this is, this is all that you have left. This is who you have left. This is your son. And this is your only son. And interestingly enough, this is the first time that the word love is written in the Bible. This is the first reference to love. And we'll draw back on that a little bit later. He's given a directive. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Now talk about God's call that makes no sense. First of all, this here was his only son. Surely God, this is my only son. Second, you're asking me to do a human sacrifice. Now, Abraham had moved to a region called Canaan. And Canaan, or the Canaanites, their practice, they, they didn't follow the, this, this God of heaven. They didn't follow the Jewish God. They followed their own gods. And part of their worship was human sacrifice. But God had directly said other places not to do this. So this is a bit odd. It doesn't make sense. God had promised, as we said a little while before, that you're going to be the father of many nations. But hey, God, you had also said that this was going to be the one through whom that many nation would come. So this is not making sense. Do you want me to sacrifice him? And fourthly, interestingly enough, again, he asked him to go, but to an unknown place. There's a lot of doesn't make sense, and some of it I can't make sense of. That I read a little bit about the whole God asking someone to sacrifice their son. And we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit at the end too. But that, that is for sure a directive for a calling that doesn't make sense. So what does Abraham do with this? Well, there's no doubt he wrestles with it. 
putting a little bit of the pitch together, this happened at night. And I'm sure he woke up and he did not go back to sleep. And he wrestled and he wrestled. We don't know because the story skips on. But every one of us have a dad. Some of us are dads. If you got that directive, you would wrestle with it, wouldn't you? God, was that your voice? Did you really say that? Do you really want me to do that? But that's my son. Am I going to follow you? Am I not? How could, you, how could I do that? There would have been some form of wrestle, some form of conversation, some form of prayer to God through the night. There's no doubt. And when the morning breaks, I'll add this little bit in. Sometimes God asks us to sacrifice. And I don't think any of us would get the directive to sacrifice a child. But sometimes I believe God may ask us to let go of something. To something greater. Early the next morning, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him. He'd made a decision by morning. I wish I could be so decisive. I don't know about you, but there are times take me a long time to decide on something like, yeah, you know, do I get this? Do I get that? Do I not? You know, you do all your research. Early the next morning, that's pretty important. Early the next morning, he gets up early. He goes out. Now, this guy's a rich guy. He's got servants to do all the work. He goes out. He gets the wood himself. He cuts it up. I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder what he's feeling. He's obviously decided that this was God's voice and he's going to obey it. He cuts the wood himself. And there is, doesn't say, but obviously he woke up Isaac. He said, Isaac, hey, we're going to go out. Sacrifices was part of life back then, but it was an animal sacrifice. It was a, it was a practice that was done that God, that had been put in place uh, as a result of, of what we call sin, as a result of the mistakes that had been made. An animal in their culture, in their faith, was sacrificed. As, as what was called an atonement or to make, to make right for your sin, for the mistake. So that part was, was up to him. So, hey, Isaac, we're going to go out and we're going to make a sacrifice. Okay, Dad, yeah. It was actually possible from what I've read that Isaac was between the ages of 20 to 30 at this time. So here we have Isaac, um, Abraham who, who trusts and follows even though it doesn't make sense. And he's trusting and following even though it's requiring great sacrifice. And the story goes on. On the third day, some of these things, you tuck them away in your head. It's interesting at the end how they come back. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. 
What do you find interesting about me? So he's talking to the servants and he's just saying, hey guys, you stay here. We got to go and do something. If you take a little byline, some of the stuff I read said, sometimes God needs you to go alone. We will worship. Interestingly enough, in some of the older texts, this is the first time the word worship is actually recorded in the Bible. And then you find we and we. We will worship and we will come back. I don't know what to take away from that. Except that Abraham believed that God was going to make a way. God had given a promise. You're going to be the father of many nations and it is through your son Isaac. It was that specific. So God was going to make a way. He didn't know how that way was going to come about, but somehow he was going to make a way. Perhaps Abraham believed that he had to go through this sacrifice, but somehow Isaac would would raise up again to life. Who knows exactly? But there was a confidence there that God was going to make a way, even though God had asked him to do what he had asked him to do. You see, anything was possible, but it was impossible for God to not keep his promise. And that's the same for us in our lives. When you open up the Bible and you you explore through it, there are many promises God puts in his word. And God is true and faithful and he keeps his promise. It may not be the way that we anticipate or expect, Anything is possible, but it's impossible that God would break his promise. So for Abraham, he was confident that God would deliver. He just didn't know how. Sometimes I'm on that tightrope. I don't know about you. And that confidence is not so confident. And that's okay. Because God wants us to keep growing. God needs us to hear stories of trust, of faithfulness, because that helps us along. We're all human. We're all the same. None of us have it all together. But we need to hear this kind of thing, to be reminded that we can be confident. We can be confident. When we wake up at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., we can be confident. We can speak it out. We're confident God, even though we don't feel it, but we're confident. As I said, this is the first time that um, the word worship comes up. So the first time the word love, the first time the word worship in this story. Perhaps, well, uh, from what I've um, read, no coincidence. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and carried himself, sorry, and himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, 
Isaac spoke up and said to his, to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. And I try and picture this little space, you know, of this happening. They're walking on together. Isaac has the wood on his shoulders. And he says this word, Father, such an endearing tone. Dad, Father, I'm not a dad. Some of you are. But to hear that must just be a nice word, a nice word to hear. But in this context and in this moment of knowing what Abraham has in his mind and what he knows is going on and what he knows is happening, I just his heart must be wrenching. Father, Dad, Dad, yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I wish as a parent I had such good answers all the time. I don't know about you, but, uh, or, you know, in different situations, it'd be good just to have the right answer. And this is a good answer, isn't it? This is a good answer. God himself will provide the lamb. That's a good answer. That's an answer that doesn't really give an answer, does it? They're always the good answers. <laughs> give the answers, but not so specific. But it's a very powerful answer. When we speak into each other's lives, into our friends' lives, into our children's lives, into the people that at work, can we speak with such confidence? When they're going through a rough time, when they're challenged, when they're down. Can we speak with such confidence? God himself will provide. God will provide. God will be with you. God will help you. God will see the way. And they go on together, side by side. So when God calls you and I, says, hey, I want you to give up something. I want you to let go of something. It's hard to let go sometimes. For whatever reason, whatever it is, whatever, whatever it might be. But we know that God will provide. I was at work here one day last year. And um, someone in our sphere was sharing a little story with me. They were saying, you know, that, and I don't know why they shared it, but it stuck with me. It was just, um, I just thought it was awesome. They felt that God had said that there were some friends of theirs that worked in a situation where there was some stuff going on at, at their friend's work. And um, so their friend's work, that their, their, their friend work colleagues were struggling. And this person actually sort of lived quite close to that space. And so as they, you know, commuted past through the week, they just felt really impressed that they should actually go and just buy a whole bunch of chocolates and, 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 and take it in to the staff. Didn't know the staff, only their friend worked there. 
But they said to themselves, but God, we don't have much money this week. There's not much money at all. If I go and do that, there won't be enough for bread and water. And so they passed it by. And then as they continued on that commute over the rest of the week, it just kept coming back and coming back. And so they said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. So they went out, they bought the bunch of chocolates, delivered it to their colleagues' work and and um, said, God, well, I'll leave it with you. I just thought, how awesome, you know. It's only a little thing, isn't it? It's a little part of the story, but they gave up, not knowing God, look, nope, bread and milk this week, we're just going to have to go with whatever's in the pantry and just do it lean. I'm going to do that for you. Sometimes God asks us to give up something, but always know that he will provide. He'll provide. When they reached the place God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. An altar was um, stones built up to sort of like a little, a little platform. And on top of that was wood put and normally an animal. And it was killed and then burnt. <coughs> In this case, a burnt offering. Then it was burnt until there was nothing of it left. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. That's all we get. So we're reading between the lines here. Somewhere along the line, Abraham has to tell Isaac, Hey, Isaac, you know that, that animal, that sacrifice? Well, God has asked for that to be used. Somewhere in there, Abraham says, Isaac, that has to be you. Now, he was indeed 20. And Abraham by now is post 100. I'm not 100, but <laughs> almost half of that. And Jared, yeah, if he tackled me well, I'd be on the ground before I knew it. And if he started running, I would never catch him. That's my son. He's 12. Isaac could have done the bulk. He could have ran off. He could have crash tackled his dad. Who knows? He could have done anything. Like, Dad, you're gone crazy. There's no way I'm going to do this. I'm out of here. Somewhere in between all of this, Isaac says, Well, God, are we, well, Dad, if that's what God wants, if that's what God's asked you to do, if that's what he wants for me, I'll do it. Crazy stuff, isn't it? Hey, Isaac. Isaac stands and reflects his dad's trust. Isaac reflects the whole scenario of this does not make sense, but anyway, this is a sacrifice, a full sacrifice. I'll give up my life if God, that's what you want me to do. I'll give up my life if that's what you want me to do. It demonstrates a loyalty to God above everything, above everything. This is an extreme challenge, isn't it? Extreme. Then he 
And he, Abraham, reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But, and it's interesting, we were here last week. This word came up in last week's story. But, but God said, but God intervened. You know, we're on that little tightrope and it just doesn't make sense. We get wobbly on our feet or we're hanging by our fingertips and our legs are dangling in the air. But God, but God, but God. God will provide. God can be trusted. God is present. God makes a way. But the angel of the Lord came and called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. I bet this time he's like, here I am, Lord, here I am. Like, I'm here. I am right here. Have you got another message? (laughs) I don't know. Here I am, Lord. Same response as he gave not far ago. Do you remember? Here I am. When God calls into our lives, when God speaks into your life, do we have the courage? God building us the courage to say, here I am. Here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to harm him. Now that I know that you trust God, because now I know that you trust God, because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a bush he saw a ram caught by its horns and he went over, he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So much happens in these little lines, doesn't it? So much happens. God says, hey, Abraham, stop. Stop right there. As I said to you right at the start, it's not a test I'd like on my life. But at the end, we'll just we'll wrap up a little bit and see perhaps why this took place, this whole story. Aside from strengthening Abraham's trust. Because Abraham actually hadn't trusted God a number of times in his life. Let me just say that. If you want to read the story of Abraham, it's quite a bit of the story of Abraham. It's one character that there's, there's a bit of information on. And there's a number of times he did not trust. One was to get a son. But there were other stories where he hasn't trusted God. And so I see Abraham experience a bit like this, this weight. You know, I said it before. Building his trust. Building his trust. Building his trust. Building his trust. And Abraham fell. And he was hanging by his fingertips. And he got back up and he fell and he hung by his fingertips. Does it sound familiar? Sounds like me. He got back up, he got back up, and, and, and God is strengthening this man and strengthening him and strengthening him. You know, if I don't do these weights, I am not going to be strong. I am not going to be strong. If I don't uh, allow myself to be challenged, the trust in me challenged, I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to be stronger. I'm just going to be so-so. Average, and in fact, it's called atrophy when it comes to weights. It just wanes away. Your muscles wane away. God was building Abraham and building Abraham and strengthening his trust, and this was definitely an ultimate trust moment. 
But God provided a ram, a substitute. And Abraham sacrificed it instead. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Oh, typo there, sorry. That should say Jehovah Jireh. It's a Hebrew term. Some of you will have heard that before. Years ago, it was a song. Do you want to sing it for me? I won't. Um, The name of the song. But it means the Lord will provide. So if you've ever sung that song years ago, this is where it comes from. This is its moment. This is its space. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Interesting statement. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You know, as we go down through the valleys and we come up onto the mountain, you know, God will provide. God will provide. There's valleys and there's mountains, but the mountain is God's provision. God will provide. And Abraham, this became a well-known saying, a well-known proverb for the people after this time, for the Jewish people. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. When God calls us to give up something, God will provide. God can provide, that's what it said before, but God will provide. God will provide. As we said, it may not be always the way we expect or even hope, but that's the part of God. The angel of the Lord came to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This promise was the one that was given earlier on and it's reiterated here. Abraham Because of your faithfulness, because of your trust, I will bless you. But not only you, it will flow on to next generation and next generation and next generation. And that's what came out with Ananias last week. As he trusted God and and followed what God's call was on his life and he spoke into Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians and was unable to put himself, Ananias, right next to Saul and helped in Saul's transformation Ananias became a part of a blessing that went on and on and on. Because Paul wrote a lot of what we find in the second part of the Bible. So God will bless our faithfulness and our trust. And not only to ourselves, because God's not about an ourselves God. God is about an everyone God. God wants to flow it on and on and on and on. When God calls us to a place of sacrifice, he will provide and he'll bless. And he'll bless. This is a little sideline, sort of. Not really, maybe. (laughs) But I couldn't go past this story without telling you this part, which I'm sure you've picked up in this story. The first time in the Bible where you find the word love and worship. Just pause for me and 
think about this story. This story is a type or a, a, a precursor to Jesus. Here we have Isaac, an only son. We have Jesus, an only son. Here we have a young son who carried the wood on his back. We have Jesus who carried the cross on his back. We have a, a, a young man, an only son, who when he realized his mission, his purpose, he was willing to go the journey. He was willing to do it. He wasn't forced. He didn't have to, but he chose to do it. Here we find Jesus. He had a mission. He had a purpose. And he was willing. He wasn't forced, but he wanted to do it. Here we find a young man who was to give up his life. And Jesus did that. He gave up his life. And interestingly enough, in this story of Isaac, just a little twist, a second part of it, there was a substitute. There was a substitute. And that's what Jesus did for us. He was a substitute. He took what could have been ours, what should have been ours, what is ours, our mistakes, our imperfections. He took them and died for us. Maybe this story way back at the very beginning was just another part of the picture where Jesus was trying, God was trying to plant into the people of the day to say, hey, this is what's to come. The real sacrifice will come. And part of that whole picture of the big story of, of, of what we call as Christians salvation, of, of what we call, it's not just about here and now, it's not just our life here, we live, we die, and that's it, and there's no purpose to it. It's about you were made by a creating God. You were born for a reason. You are loved. And there's a future for you. And that future is in Jesus Christ alone. It's an interesting parallel. It's an interesting parallel. My mum and dad are here today every now and again at the, the uh, privilege of them visiting. Some people ask me, um, you know, we went to Sydney over Christmas and, um, uh, you know, people say, do you like it in Queensland? Well, I'm a Queenslander, so that's a no-brainer. It shouldn't have been. <laughs> but I always say I love that I can be close to my family. It's a real privilege to be close to your family. Um, and so I'm going to tell a little story that I think my dad told when I was his dad used to speak from time to time, like every second week. He just prepared his sermons one week in Cowes. So um, talking about tightropes, back in the 1800s was this famous tightroper. His name was Charles Blondin. So Charles Blondin could do amazing things on tightropes. He could, he, he could um, go with his, even his eyes closed across 
And this particular day, he had a tightrope show at Niagara Falls, um, across the falls. And he actually was doing all these amazing things. And he started engaging with the crowd and saying, do you think I could do this? Do you think I could do that? And they're going, yes, 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 you could do that. And then he said, do you think I could wheel a wheelbarrow across the tightrope? And they're like, yes, of course you could. Look at all the amazing things you can do. Yes, go on. So off he goes and he wheels the wheelbarrow across the tightrope. And as he gets there and he gets back to the crowd, he says, do you really think you can trust me on this one so much? Who would like to get in the wheelbarrow? And from the, yes, yes, you can do it, everyone goes, mm. you know that? Who would like to, everyone says, that'd be great. Nobody was willing that day. They all claimed that he could do it. They all shouted his applaud. They all cheered him on. But when the rubber hit the road, there was something that happened. You know, God can be trusted. God is a trustworthy God. And when he calls you or I to get in that wheelbarrow, it's not going to be easy. It isn't easy. There are tears sometimes. Well, I cry sometimes. There's late nights or early mornings where you're woken up. There might be sweaty palms. There might be even sprints in the completely other direction. I don't know. I'm not sure, but there's no doubt this year that God is going to call each of us to step up or to step out. And as we, as we journey that, and that's what we're trying to encourage, encourage, encourage. I, I, um, I mentioned before that part of, our, part of our, our refresh values is to inspire through community worship. Part of this time here as we come together is to inspire us and to encourage us. And today I just want to encourage you again that God is a trustworthy God. Last week we finished with this verse. I'm going to finish with it again. Trust God and follow his leading in your life because you know who he is and you know what he does, even when it requires sacrifice, letting go of something. So I want you to ponder this question, very similar to the question we used last week. Where is God leading you right now that requires you to let go of something? What will it take to trust and follow? God's got this. Trust is built on a relationship knowing someone. What is one discipline you can do this year to strengthen your trust in God and who will help keep you accountable? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, it's a crazy story that we've looked at today. Um, but I just pray that, Lord, again, it might just, like these weights, might strengthen again our trust in you. Each of us, God, there's no doubt that you're going to speak into our lives today. 
or this week or this month, I'm definitely with you. You're going to speak into our lives because you want us to grow and you want to, and you want to work through us to be amazing in the kingdom of God. You want to draw us closer to you. You want us to touch people's lives with your love. So God, whatever and whenever that time comes, again, Lord, we just ask and pray that you give us the courage to say, here I am, Lord. Take us and use us. God, thank you that you are a trustworthy God. We pray these things in Jesus' name.